Let's go. Hey, everybody, before we start the podcast, I want to make sure I give a big, big, big shout out to what I'm calling our channel supporters. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to Multibar. Uh, I appreciate you. Multibar Rod Racks, pretty much the best in the business. Port Barrington Marina. Check out both of their links down in the description. I also need to give a big shout out to Uncle Lou's Tackle for his uh, past and present support of the channel. You guys are uh, uh, priceless to me. You help uh, uh, make this content possible. Welcome, everybody, to the Catfish and Crappie Podcast. My name is Mark, and today we have Bob, Bob Britt of Bobcat Outdoors. How you doing, Bob? Good. How you doing, Mark? Good. You want me to call you Bob or Bobcat? What do you like when you're in the public guy? Bob is just fine. Bob is just fine. Just don't call me late for dinner. That's usually what I say. That's pretty too. There's Johnny Small Pepper. What's going on, John? How are you doing? I saw you got a pretty cool mug there with you. Yeah, man. You like that? I approve highly. So I spelled crappie right. Tell you, can you read that? Yeah, I can read that. <laughs> Did you have to fix it? Is that what brought that to your attention? No, a lot of people like to say crappy. I, I say crappy, so I say I, I, I'm a, you know, and I've said this story before. There's probably some new people in here that haven't heard it. When I uh, had the honor and the privilege of interviewing uh, Babe Winkleman on Panfish Nation, he uh, explained to us that uh, when you go fishing, you fish for crappy or crappie. When you're drinking with your friends, playing cards all night, you wake up feeling crappy. And it that's, struck with me. That's so it. That's we're we're going to go <laughs> crappy. So. I like that. Uh, let's see what we got going on here, Chad. So, oh, wait, what's this? Yes, this fella knows how to talk. <laughs> KMB says, Mark, don't get Bob to laughing or you might lose him tonight. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'll stop talking about corn. What's going on, Sampy? How you doing? Am I missing what corn? What's going on with corn? No, you don't know. Just keep going. We'll talk. You can explain to me after the show. Just don't go, uh, don't go missing on me afterwards. You need to definitely going to need to explain that to me. Yeah. So where are you from? Let's look for the people who don't know you. People listening on a podcast on their uh, uh, phones or in their car. Uh, where are you from, Bob? Uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. I've lived here most of my life. I was born in Chattanooga, and I spent some time in North Carolina. But I consider myself a Tennessean. Born and bred. I drove through Chattanooga once, and I always wanted to come back. I just haven't made it down there yet. Where is the uh, the greeting at? The greeting is in uh, Hickson, Tennessee, which is kind of a just a suburb of Chattanooga. Okay. It's actually considered to be in Chattanooga, so uh, but it's right on the at Chester Frost Park is right on the north eastern part of Chickamauga Lake, Lake Chickamauga, uh, is where the greeting <clears throat> takes place at. A beautiful little uh, county-run park, um, lots of camping and pavilions, and it's just a cool little place. We used to camp there a lot when I had back when we had a pop-up camper. I hear camp spots already, after talking to Daryl when he was on the show, the camp spots are already getting snagged up. It must be a popular place. Yeah, you. Had, that's one reason I quit camping a lot, because you had to, if you wanted a certain time of year, you almost had to book it a year in advance. It's been that way for several years now. Like There, there are some spots that are better than others, like if you wanted to be close to the water. You know, now nowadays you go in there and you go on, online and you, you choose your site and you select it and reserve it. 
if you want the choice of sites, you have to go and book it ahead of time for sure. Okay. And uh, that's going to be next to April. You were at this one this year. We were talking a little bit before the show. Did you have a good time? I had a great time, man. It was, it was cool hanging out and meeting people that, uh, that we see on YouTube and, you know, hanging out and chat and stuff and, and getting to press the flesh with people versus uh, just, you know, hanging out and chat or on our lives or whatever was uh, was really neat. A bunch of super nice people. Yeah, I, you know, if uh, talking to people online or even on the phone, because a lot of people will call me or I'll call them, uh, is is great. I, I I I'm very grateful to be able to do that with everybody. But there's something special about meeting these people face to face and shaking their hand or giving them a hug. Yeah, I'm a hugger. People get over it. Yeah. Um, it really it you really end up growing the bond that you have over a sport that we both love. So if you get a chance to do any meet and greet and meet some people, I highly recommend it. I mean, we got people, yep. Like Lisa, who's in chat fishing chick, you know, Chad did road trips. Everybody does road. A lot of other people have done road trips and I'm sure they wouldn't. I haven't heard anybody complain about having a bad one. So no, no, they, they all come back so happy and they got smiles on their face and they're posting like crazy. It's it definitely I I recommend it. Yeah, it was it was kind of a continuation of CatCon for me. Like I met a bunch of really cool people at CatCon, and then there were people that didn't make it to CatCon that came to the gathering. So you got there were some people that were at both, but you know it's just kind of a continuation. That same kind of camaraderie and uh, you know good good fun ribbing each other. And, uh, it, it was great. You know you know um. Next year, since you guys are doing it in April, which I think is a great idea, because that means if I if I can squeeze it in, start saving my pennies now, I can make it down there for April, and then make the Channel Cat trip that we do every year in May. Uh, I think it'll be a good way to start off next year. So those are kind of going to be my plans. So far as I even went, I have a um, one of them. Yes, God's trucks, a Dodge Mega or a Ram Mega Cab. I even went as far as to find an inflatable bed that'll fit in the back of that thing. Oh, wow. I can, you know, because to offset the price of fuel and stuff, find a campsite and I'll, I'll sleep in there. No problem. I'm just not sleeping on the ground. I'm getting too old for that. Yeah, I also got yeah. a, camper. I got a camper that I could bring down there, but I'm definitely not going to, uh, uh, haul 36 feet of camper down there just for me to sleep in. I don't blame you for that. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a lot to haul around. And then my fuel costs probably go up about three times. So did you camp when you were down there? No, nah, man, I live like 15 minutes away. I just, I actually did get, I paid for a camping spot, but I didn't stay there. <laughs> so it's 15 minutes, you know? Yeah, I, I, I can't say. I wanted to and then came back. Yeah, we have a, um, up in, up when we do our uh, channel cat thing in the spring at the very special place that we're not going to name anymore, I guess, until we figure out if we're going to have a big one or not next year. Um, I think we were going to do that. We were going to get a camping spot because there's a, um, a, a little meet and greet up there with the locals. A lot of the whisker seeker folks go up there like Troy and Amy are up there. Um, uh, Richard's up there every year. People have been going for years and years, and they were kind enough to invite us to their fish fry. We thought about getting a camp spot up there, camp spot up there, just to expand it a little bit and have a place to park our cars and set up a tent or our 
canopies and stuff. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see if we do that next year. But I'm definitely looking forward to that and the, the Tennessee meet and greet. So those are two things on my radar for next year. Yeah, and plus having it in April, you know, we kind of was at the leading edge of the spawn this year. But next year we're still in that pre-spawn by in April. It'll be the bite will be a lot better, I think. Well, there were some PBs caught this year, so the bite oh, wasn't yeah. that bad. Yeah, there's a lot of people caught some really nice fish, <clears throat> for sure. It wasn't bad, but in April, I think it'd be better. I think if I remember correctly, Telly caught one PB. Um, Jody. Jody caught a PB. Uh, Amy, didn't Amy get one too? All the ladies put the guys to shame, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think I can't remember who all did, but there's quite a few. You know, they do that a lot. What do you think it is, Bob? Why do you think the ladies outperform us so much? Maybe because they're not overthinking it like we do sometimes. I don't know. You, you, you might be onto something there. Definitely might be onto something. So, anyways, okay. So let's talk. Let's talk about fishing. I, I remember when we first started talking online a little bit. You're sending me links to your. I want to talk about crappie fishing. Sending me links to your crappie videos. You and I share a passion for crappie fishing, I think. Wouldn't you I agree? Love crappie fishing. When's the last time you went? Because lately I'm just seeing you bumping. Okay, that video I sent you a link to, that was the last time we went crappie fishing. That was the last time you went crappie fishing? Yeah, I mean, I you know, my favorite way to crappie fish is shoot docks. I love I love to shoot the docks. And but I you know, I'm also addicted to that big cat bite, you know, the the fight and so I'm in this torn state always. I like I know I need to go crappie fishing, but I'm I'm addicted to bumping right now, and it's hard to tear myself away from one to go do the other. Yeah, I understand. I got a bad case of flathead fever now. I actually uh, forced myself to go crappie fishing yesterday. It was a little struggle. I got one slab, and I got a whole whole mess of little ones, and. I didn't keep any of the little ones. I didn't feel like bringing the one home, but the one was pretty good. For up here where I'm at, an uh, urban, small urban community lake, I found like a 12-incher, but they just seem to be so scattered. I don't know where the heck they were. It's, it's weird. Crop fish is like that. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, used to, I used to have docks, and I would, I would run a pattern on docks. And I know, I, There's only certain docks I visited because I knew that they always hold fish, and and I'd go hit those docks, run run up the lake and hit those docks. And, uh, you know, I, I had a ball doing that. And, I, of course, I've gotten out of that. And then about this time of year, they start getting some of the docks I like to shoot, start getting grass under them. And that makes it even tougher uh, if, there, if there's grass growing underneath the dock. But, yeah, I've I, I got to get back on the crappie. We just had a um, like a warm spell here, just like a lot of the country did. And uh, last Friday night when I was out flathead fishing, I finally noticed the grass coming in um, a couple of my spots. Um, so I had to adjust, and it kind of paid off. But uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be a problem here. I think, especially with the uns with the super warm temperature so early in the year and stuff. At least for us, it, it gets in the way. It just makes life difficult. So what I like to do when the grass gets badder um or when the weeds get bad is i get those spinners that are like the ones that you use on uh um beetle spins they sell them mr twister sells them you can just put a regular crappie jig on there and they it'll that'll keep your bait upright and the hook away from the weeds and you can get through um, some heavy stuff but that's, that's exactly good. where i found that big one yesterday and i could not i i, I could not 
pull any more than him out of there for the life of me. I spent, you know, I'll seldom spend 45 minutes on one pile that I think or I've marked with, with how, you know, either scoring or not. If I don't do that, I'm moving on somewhere else. I have been known to fish in the weight line to take a 132nd or a 164th and flip it up on top of the grass when I start seeing the grass surface and just pull it until it drops to the edge of the weeds and then let it drop down. And a lot of times them crappie will stack up right along that weed edge. And as soon as you pull it off the mat, they'll nail it. So I've done that a lot this time of year. If you can find early in the morning and you can see that grass where it starts to top out, just take a 164th of like a Bobby Garland and toss it up there and just pull it until it just drops off the edge and, They'll fire them up that way in the morning, especially on that weed edge. They, they like hitting them on the fall a lot of the times. So every fish I caught yesterday was on the fall. Yeah. You know, a lot of times if you don't get those baits moving, they'll just sit there and stare at it. Yep. Kind of like me staring at like a cheeseburger I can't have or a piece oh, of Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I'm shooting docks, I'll sit there and I'll shoot underneath the dock, and I won't even – I just one or two reels just to tighten the line up. And then watch that bow in the line, and and you, you'll see them bump. I mean, you'll yep. see that line just twitch and set the hook on it. Man, that's I miss that thumb. I, I, I love that thumb. I'm telling you, every hit I had yesterday since I was moving the baits was a good solid thump, and that kind of made me happy. I went out crappie fishing. It kind of oh, reminded yeah. me reminded me of the spring and and how well I did this spring, which I had a pretty good one. So, but dock shooting's not something that I've done too much of. Um, I did get a dock shooting rod, a B&M dock shooter from, uh, I think, they're is it called a six gun? I could be wrong. Please forgive me if I am, B&M. Yeah, six shooter, I think. Six shooter, I think, yeah. I, I got one gifted to me for Christmas, so uh, I need to get out there and use that. So the plan is, since I'm such a flathead fever, I got flathead fever bad. I said that before, a yeah. flathead addict. Uh, if I'm going out fishing with what little time I have, it's going to be chasing them. But during the spawn, I think we're going to switch it up to to crappie until they come back on. I'll wait for the other guys to to work through the two three weeks, maybe even longer than that, until they get on them again, and and I'll go back out. I'm not the young man I used to be, so it's Tom, not. I'm, I think that fall bite is going to be. I'll, I'll wait till the fall and they start spawning again, then I'll go get some. We'll 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 get on both. <laughs> fall. I think I don't know about you, but. I mean, you have a lot of cold water up there, but to me, I, I think crappie out of the cold water tastes better. Absolutely. In the summer there, you know, this is what I, well, this isn't about, okay. In in summer, everybody claims that they're, they're mushy, the meat's mushy and stuff. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, which I kind of agree, especially with water swings like we have here in the North. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with it or any more or less than other places, but that's what I like to think. Um, what I'll do is I'll keep them a little on the smaller side uh, in the summer, and I'll throw them right on the ice. I'm not talking in yeah. a cooler with a bag of ice. I'm talking about with an ice slurry in there, and I'll as soon as I pull them in, I'll stick them head first right into that. And Absolutely. Get that the does job. help. But I still think they taste better in January. I agree. They taste great, great, great in April. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm happy. And when I, when I, well, here, this pertains to it. Air Run says big crappie at night, water's warmer. I can't fish anywhere here at night that has productive crappie water. Hmm. A lot of my spots are like public spots, they're community spots, and uh, um, the launches close at dusk. 
So I can't even get my boat or even fish off the bank at those spots. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, so I'm kind of stuck during the day. Now, night fishing uh, in the winter is a little different, but it doesn't. there isn't too many places that are as hot of crappie spots as, as my other ones. Um, but I'll give it a shot. So I'll end up getting two or three through the ice. And keeping those is more than I want to clean usually, I guess, bring three mm-hmm. home or whatever. Uh, maybe we'll do that a little more this year. So um, when you're keeping crappie, are you eating them right away or are you freezing them? I usually vacuum sell them or freeze them. Um, I, I sometimes if I, you know, if I'm, I'll keep a couple out for myself because my wife and kids don't really eat fish. I'll take a couple, keep a couple of flays out for myself and fry them up and then put the rest of them in the freezer. I'll vacuum sell them and then freeze them. You know. I, vac- I use the heck out of my vacuum sealer for everything. Uh, but a trick that uh, a lot of the old timers taught me out at our camper, we had our that, that big old camper that I have. We I got so tired of hauling it, we parked it permanently somewhere. Um, they had a pretty good crappie, small private lake over there. And you'd catch three or four when you'd go out there for an hour or two or whatever. Um, would add them to, let's say, like a, a, a gallon milk jug, pour a little water on them, freeze it you know, right over the top and then add a few more the next time you caught them until you had a whole jug full of them. And, and that worked pretty well. Maybe I should just do that with my ice fishing crappies. So. Yeah, it's, as long as you can, I tell people, if you're going to freeze them like that, just make sure that the flies are completely surrounded by water and there's no air in the bag or whatever you store them in. Because the air is what ruins the meat if it gets to them. It oxidizes it, right? Yeah. Something about the ice crystals and poking messing the meat up i don't know the expansion contraction either way but i know when i'm when i used to vacuum seal them in ziplocs i just filled the bag about halfway up with flays and then the other half of it i'd i fill it with water and zip it up until water actually shot out the very end of the zipper so there was no air left in the bag whatsoever and then put that in the freezer that's a good tip another one that somebody told me thank you jeremy for the uh super sticker i appreciate you bud um and somebody else told me if you were going to put them in, like, say, Ziploc bags, um, fill your sink up with water and drop the bag into the water with the open end towards the top, yep. and that'll pretty much give you an almost vacuum seal without the negative pressure. Yep. It, it'll, it'll evacuate a lot of the air out of there. So there's your tip of the day. And in line with Catfish Weekly Show, which was just on prior to this, and they were talking catfish recipes for that. So, yep. What's your favorite way to eat crappie? Fried, hands down. I'm mean, out love it fried. Just you know, I, I got a favorite way to eat mine, and, and I'm going to do a – I got something coming up very, very soon, and I, I'll share that recipe with you guys. So uh, I actually am waiting on some ingredients. I'm waiting on a burner. We're going to do a catch-and-cook type deal. So uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, once you try it this way, if you like a little bit of spice, you, you're going you're gonna to really like this. So I like to take – Pat my fillets off and get them nice and dry, and then lightly coat them with some Dijon mustard, and then and then put them in a bag with some uh, Louisiana seasoned fish fry, and that's that's gold right there to me. And make sure that oil's hot. Drop them down, fry them till they float, and dip them out of there and salt them and eat them. I use uh, I use flour. I don't use cornmeal or my favorite recipe calls for a flour recipe heavily see heavily seasoned flour i'll season a fish prior but what i'll do is uh um i'll soak them in sour cream bob huh. 
sour cream before I flour them, soak them in sour cream for half an hour, and it looks it looks like KFC. It mm-hmm. really does. And it's almost like a hybrid batter breading type deal. It, it's delicious. That's not what I'm planning on showing everybody, but it's a good one. I actually have a short on my channel that shows you guys how I do that, and it, it turns out pretty good. You just got to have a lot of seasoning, and you have to cook that flour because if you don't cook flour long enough, it tastes like flour. Yeah, and you don't want that. So I think that's why more most people like uh, like corn corn. Corn flour or corn breading, whatever it's called. Yeah, I used to do it. Sometimes, too, I'll take some, uh, if I want a little variation, I'll take some hot sauce and uh, sprinkle a little hot sauce on them and then coat them and then fry them. That works here okay. when it's not really hot. Yeah, uh, well, you don't really taste it. It's it's kind of like we were talking barbecue with Daryl. It, it's kind of like adding a binder to anything. It doesn't really stay. You can marinate. I love marinating perch in, in Frank's Red Hot. That's that's one of my favorite ways to eat perch, and that works good. But there's really no spice to it. You taste more vinegar than anything. So yeah, sure do. But it works. Anything to get that uh, um, get that breading to it here, especially when you're dropping it into oil. So. Yep. Uh, so, what's your favorite uh, uh, crappie baits to use? You, meant, you mentioned Bobby Garland. Oh uh, yeah, Bobby Garland, and we got a couple. Uh, we got a couple local people that uh, that make crappie baits too that I that I like using. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of them. I'm gonna tip my tongue. It, it's been so long since I crappie fished. I hadn't even looked in my bag. There's a couple local guys that mold plastic baits too. I'm kind of fond of the plastic baits, uh, you know, Bobby Garland style. I always use sickle hooks when I'm crappie fishing. Me too. Um, love the sickle hooks. Uh, but actually, I've, over the years of crappie fishing, I've narrowed it down to two different color baits. I'm either throwing chartreuse or monkey milk or um, I think it's called blue ice. Blue ice is another three, good one. Three colors I use. And I just simplified after years of throwing different colors and the ones you can depend on they're your confidence colors i got them too monkey milk obviously um for some reason um there's this disco color from from brush pile jigs it's a um gold sparkly body with a a chartreuse tail that's another one and then uh I, i have four actually there's there's black and chartreuse and then there's a hologram one that i use if they're not biting on the uh, monkey milk, I'll go to the hologram right after that. And it all depends on water clarity, but yeah. those are all good deal. Those are all good plastic baits. Hand ties. I've been using a lot more lately too, and they've definitely, uh, paid off there. So they're good. So can I pick a favorite between them? Uh, I don't know. I get the biggest kick out of catching them off my own hand ties. I'll have to say. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm float, when I'm floating fly fishing for crappie, you know, under a float, I'll, I'll, I'll tend to use more hair jigs, but when I'm shooting docks, I use more plastic because they skip better. Hair jigs just don't really skip all that yeah, well. That soft mass of that, that fibrous material probably absorbs a lot of the impact and yeah. slows it down once. <clears throat> I think with the hair jigs, you get a little, when you're floating fly, I'll throw it out there and, you know, twitch it back to the boat. I think you get more action out of the tail on the, on the hair jig than you do on on the plastic so i think that's that's why it works but you know hair jigs like i said don't work real good for me shooting dogs they don't skip as well 
They, they absolutely don't. You know, I don't even recall seeing Richard Gene shooting docs with hair. I could be wrong. I've seen pretty much almost all of his stuff. So Richard doesn't really shoot docs. He skips docs. He he kind of he's kind of throwing sidearm underneath the dock, and he's gotten really good at it too. Well, he's a bass fisherman to, to, yeah. from the start, I believe, and that's how those guys get those baits under there. I guess it's a little, you don't want to get like a two odd one odd hook in your hand, so that would make sense for that. Yeah, the sidearm, I do that too. I'll I'll cork float. I'll shoot docks with a cork, and mm -hmm. the only way to get them under there is if you're not fishing real deep and and you got a nice you can skip it that way. That that'll usually work. So yeah. In the winter, when they pull the lake down, when you got more clearance underneath the docks, I'll take a small, like a little trout float, a little tiny foam floats, and I'll put that on there with like a one thirty second jig, and I'll actually shoot it under the dock and and do the same kind of float and fly underneath the dock. But it it doesn't work if you use a real heavy cork because it you end up up in the top of the dock more than you do in the water in the water <laughs> so i'll just kind of flip it underneath there with that little tiny trout magnet jig i know you've seen the, the little trout magnet bobbers I, I, I yeah. for that. and uh brush pile they they also uh mm -hmm. they have their kits and they they include those little tiny little bobbers like you see in the crappie or in the the trout magnets and those trout magnets they don't hurt either they'll work for crappie like as good as anything else so absolutely as well as trout i'll use the trout magnets for a lot of stuff i use them for perch i use them for for crappie good stuff man i love crop i love crappie fishing i love catfishing so let's get to catfishing here when did you start bumping ah when did i start bumping it was probably last year sometime when i first started attempting it and getting frustrated trying it um, watching people watching videos uh People doing it on YouTube is not the same as going out with somebody and doing it. I can tell you that. I uh, lost a whole bunch of tackle learning how to do it, but I kept I kept doing it and kept losing gear and until I finally started getting better at it. But I watched Hagen Grubbs a lot, you know, watching him when he started doing it. And, uh, then I started doing like any YouTuber does and goes to YouTube and searches for bumping for catfish and and watching what everybody else was doing and. And then talking to guys like uh, Roger, uh, Muskrat Adventures, and, you know, private messaging Roger and, and uh, you know, trying to kind of fine-tune my method and everything. And, and just talking to people that are more knowledgeable about it than I was and helped me out a whole bunch, you know, with, with learning how to bump. And I think, too, like where I'm bumping at is kind of unique because it's so shallow that a lot of people aren't, aren't bumping in that kind of water in that kind of depth. So I had to kind of develop my own technique for doing things too, uh, bumping in that shallow water. But uh, I, I enjoy it tremendously. How shallow are we talking? Uh, depending on where you're at right there below the dam, if you're all the way over towards like where Big Mike fishes against the rocks, you're in like six feet of water over there. Uh, but if you get closer to the caissons, which would be on the right side of my screen when I'm bumping, it's about 8 to 12 feet over there. I mean, it's shallow. I'd feel right at home there, to be yeah. honest with you. The current might throw me off a little bit, but those depths are pretty much what I fish. So Yeah. A lot least, of times when I hook a fish, like they're within three cranks there at the surface. <laughs> That's how fast they come up. 
Do you ever get any flatheads uh, bumping? I, I have not caught one bumping, but uh, my buddy uh, Anthony Yaksher Outdoors, he actually, we were fishing a couple months ago down at Nickajack, and uh, it's very similar to Chickamauga, uh, you know, just downstream, the next down, down. But he caught a, I think it was a 20 something pound flathead bumping, which surprised the crap out of me. But yeah, they come up and feed too. If they're in there, they like current. Yeah. They definitely do. I, I don't see if you didn't bump one on the head or put a bait out in front of them. Was it during the day that he caught it or at night? No, it was at night. Night? Okay. Yeah. That would make even more sense that there would be a flathead there looking for food. It was a beautiful flathead, too. There's a video if somebody wants to go watch it. It's a, It was a cool thing to watch. And that's on Yak Shore Outdoors? Uh, he's got one on his page, and I have one on my page. I, I think it's called Bumping Below Nickajack. Gotcha. Bump and blow Nick and Jack. And if you're wondering where to find that video, I do have Bob's link in the description, both on YouTube here, and it will also be on the podcast. So you can go there and check it as well as uh, links to the channel supporters and uh, all my social media. Also, folks, if you're interested in some catfish and crappie merch, uh, tomorrow my provider is going to offer 22% off your order, the whole order, everything you do. So why don't you go over there, click at the top of the uh, uh screen on my youtube channel it'll take you to the merch page uh all proceeds go to support the channel as well i appreciate it plus a lot of people really really like the merch so uh, uh go and get you some tomorrow 22 percent off that being said oh look at that <laughs> bobcat's got a hat too man I, there's a lot of people have them hats i need to get some more in we'll talk about that later though folks right now i'm out of hats if you're wondering so if you have you uh dived into the tiktok world bob I, I'm on TikTok and and I was doing like I put some videos over there and did really well on TikTok, but man, it's like the Wild West over there. <laughs> I mean, I got some I got some pretty crazy and, and harsh comments like right away, and I'm like, man, this place is rough. I got my first one for a typo, Bob. The guy told me I was murdering the English language because I oh, had wow. made a typo. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're they don't pull no punches over there. Yeah, it don't bother me though. I don't care. Some of it makes me laugh. If it's creative, I don't mind at all. Uh, back to 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 bumping. Yeah, that's pretty much how I learned chase, how to chase flatheads was by asking a ton of questions. And you know how fishermen are; they don't always like to answer your questions. But there's always YouTube for for a backup, so I can definitely relate to how you learned how to bump so yeah. i just wish i had the current to do that i got this awesome bumping rod from black horse customs thank you lyle stokes i appreciate you dad that i'm afraid to ask him how much one of those costs can't hurt to ask he'll tell you he yeah. ain't got no problem with that i know what i paid for mine and i'm not gonna say yeah. thanks dad happy father's day but I've turned it into a, a kind of a flipping rod for uh, float fishing log piles and stuff. So it worked out pretty good for me. Yeah. Nice rod. I highly recommend that you ask him. You'll be happy with it. Pretty sure he'll make it any way you want it, too. So I'll bet. I think there's a weight with parts and stuff. So, so what, what kind of rods do you use normally? Let's talk about your gear. I've got a, my first bumper rod was a B&M. Um, I think I call it a pro staff or something like that, a seven foot. And I actually still use the B&M. Um, I like it when I'm sitting down and bumping because it's got a shorter handle on it. 
So when you're sitting down, it's a little bit easier to more comfortable to use. Uh, and then I've got a, uh, I picked up a, um, oh my goodness, what is it? A shattered cat uh, bumping rod at CatCon this year. And I've used it a little bit and I like it too. And then I picked up my Uncle Lou's. Actually, Uncle Lou sent me a, a, one of his bumping rods when he first got them. And uh, I have about wore that thing out and I uh, love that rod. Uh, it's sensitive, it's lightweight, it, like the handle feels you know, just about right when you're standing up. Uh, I actually, I actually broke it during the kids tournament on Saturday because Anna got it hung up. And before I realized what was happening, it was under the boat. And the, basically the shaft of it was on the gunnel. And I guarantee the tip was touching the kill of the boat. And uh, before I could free it or take the drag off of it, it just, it snapped and broke my heart. But I was like, ah, oh, it's just a rod. And I, I wasn't worried about it. You know, she, she was having fun. And uh, I swear it was, I hadn't even got home good before Lee sent me a message on Facebook and offered to replace it. And uh, he's, I can't say enough good things about Lee Reed. Um, he's just an awesome dude. But, oh, by that Saturday, by the next Saturday, I had a new Uncle Lou's bumping rod in the boat. That's how quick he sent it out. Heck, uh, Yeah. The uncle is a great guy. Lee Reed's an awesome dude. Uh, th those rods are really sharp. Um, you don't know how many times I've been on the river and people pull up to me and ask me where did it, where they can get them and stuff. In the dead of night, they see it halfway across. Oh, yeah. the and they got they a look great on film too. <laughs> they sure do. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great bumper rod. And uh, I see, yeah, I've got three bumping rods now: the Uncle Lou's, the Shattered Cat, and the I don't use a shattered cat as much because it's got about it's about an inch longer between the pommel and the and where the real seat is. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit awkward for me to use because I'm kind of short. Um, but actually, Anthony, my buddy Anthony, when he's in the boat with me bumping, he likes it because he's taller. He's like six foot something, and I think it's more suited for a taller guy. And if you but if you spend any time bumping, getting comfortable doing it is important. That's an important thing. I don't. I don't see how some of these guys can stand in that boat all day. That's why I'm not a musky fisherman. I am not going to do that. Even when I'm crappie fishing, I'm sitting my fat butt in a boat seat up in the front of the boat and doing it that way. So that's probably yeah, why I took to catfishing so much. Yeah, I, I kind of rotate. I alternate between standing and sitting. I'll stand for a while and sit for a while, but that's not about comfort as much as it is. I've got a pink sciatic nerve in my back. And I have to change positions. Like I, if I sit too long, it hurts my back. If I stand too long, it hurts my back. So moving, changing position helps me tremendously. I think that's an age thing, to be honest with you, because I can't sit there like nonstop, but I'll get up and stretch too. But on my boat, I look like a drunk duck walking back and forth. That's an, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to change that one of these days. Uh, speaking of which, I just picked up one of those Millennium seats, so we'll see if that makes. Oh, those sense. are awesome, Mark! You're gonna love that thing. I hope so. I got a chance to uh, plant my button one over on the Crosses boat when we were uh, wow. uh, channel catfishing a while back, and and I was pretty happy with it. But uh, uh, we'll see what it lasts like. I'm how you're, I've seen your live streams. You spend a lot of time out there, just like I do, mm -hmm. at least eight hours on a trip. So any seat will wear you, wear you sore. So. 
Yeah, yeah, they're great, and they're because they're they're mesh. They if they get wet, they dry out quickly, and they don't make your butt sweat while you're sitting in them. As bad as a plastic covered seat, uh, I love them. Let's prevent them monkey butt syndrome that everybody gets. Yeah, man. <laughs> Summer especially. Exactly. You ain't kidding me. Especially with this weather. What kind of temps are you getting out by you? Well, it's starting to heat back up, but over the weekend, I think the high was like 85 to 87 degrees, which was nice, but because the week before that, it was up in the 97, 98, but supposed to get up to 100 this week, so we're we're heading back towards the triple digits. Yeah, we're going to be close. We're going to be at like 96 tomorrow. I just kind of looked at the forecast. Yeah. Um, how's that affecting? How does that affect bumping? Um, does it affect it as much as a cold front does? I don't know that. I don't know that it does or not. I think. I think those doggone fish up there at the dam, they're kind of trained to know when that water comes on. They're sitting up there waiting. So I don't know that it affects it as much as other parts of the river do, but, um, yeah, I'm sure it, I'm sure it would have to, but Is probably it, that water coming out of the dam may be a little cooler than the rest of the river. Yeah. That's what I was just going to ask if, if that, that lake water above, it's probably a lot deeper. I imagine that water coming out of the bottom is going to be cooler. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at on the top side of the dam, you're looking at 50 to 60 feet of water. So, from the top side of the dam. So it's probably a little cooler up there. I would guess it was. So I don't know. All I know is a cold front will shut the flat type, flathead bite down for me up here. So uh, the heat usually gets them all riled up. We're getting close to spawn too. So the uh, uh, reason I mention that is I think I'm going to go live tomorrow night. So if you guys are watching or listening to the podcast, I'm going to uh, upload this on 621. That's tomorrow, Tuesday. I'll probably pull an all-nighter out there, try and get – get on some fish so uh if you guys have some time and you need somebody to keep company which would be me check me out on the uh, catfish and crop youtube channel if you're listening you guys that already here know how to do that so uh hopefully we can get them on before spawn starts when's when's your spawn by you is it done or are you guys still in the middle of it i think we're in the tail end of it i, I really do i think um I, the fish i've been catching are marked up pretty good and got chunks missing out of them i, I don't know if we're I think we're pretty much at kind of on the tail end of the spawn. I'm hoping, anyways. I haven't caught any monsters. I'm I'm stuck in like the twenty pound range so far this year. I've only been out a few times, and I haven't seen any spawn marks yet. Um, I saw a couple buddy of mine who went went north looking for some bigger fish, and they did pretty good. And they were a little marked up, but you, they're fishing in an awfully rocky river, so who knows where what that was from? Usually, we can tell down here when they're on spawn. And I, I don't see why uh, um, that they would not they would be marked up up there and not down here. So yeah. I'm thinking I got a week before it starts this time of year, especially with the water warming up. But who knows? This year is the weather's been so crazy. Has it been a cool spring for you guys too? Um, it's it's been a weird spring for us, really. Um. It's gotten hot quicker than like usually. We don't start seeing these high temperatures until August, so it's it's kind of went from zero to sixty real quick, so to speak, as far as the temperatures go. But I don't know. I, I've been I've been uh I haven't been exploring as much of the river this year since I started bumping up, and gas prices are what they are right now. 
I mean, literally, it's the boat ramp is 10 minutes from my house, and then the drive from the boat ramp to the dam is another four minutes. <laughs> then you're using your trolling motor while you're there, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I'll, I'll go back up, use the gas motor to go back up for another bump and run, but I'm not burning the gas like everybody else is or. So for those for those people who don't know Bumpin, Bumpin's been around for a long time. I know Lyle's been doing it for a long time. A bunch of other guys have been doing it, but there's I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this on the podcast that, that haven't. Can you give us like a quick overview of what exactly the Bumpin technique is? Yeah, it's a, it's essentially where you're where you're in current and it does take current to do it. Um you can experiment with uh, you know bumping in different current speeds, but essentially what you the, the simplest answer to that is you want to figure out what your what your current speed is and try to cut it in half. Uh, you know, try to slow your boat down with your trolling motor and it, having a GPS controlled trolling motor is definitely a necessity when bumping in my opinion. Um, you know, pointing your boat upstream, setting your trolling motor to north lock, and basically whatever the current is, you're trying to uh, cut it in half. Uh, and then you're fishing out behind the boat using a three-way rig with a, a long leader and a swivel is recommended in the middle of it, um, a long leader, and then off your leg of your three-way, you'll have a, uh, a, 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 um, a sinker dropper of a lighter test monofilament. Like uh, I use 20-pound. And then I'll use, I'll run an 80 pound leader and a 20 pound dropper to a anywhere from ounce and a half to four ounce uh, sinker, depending on what current. And you, use cannonball, is, you use cannonball sinkers normally, right? I, you know, Mark, I actually, I, I've got cannonball sinkers, but I've actually started using bank sinkers. They seem to work better for me and I can feel the bottom better. And, I have a theory about that is that because of the way the neck on a bank sinker is formed, that you have more contact with the dropper on the, on the neck of the bank sinker. And I, I, I actually get a better feel that way. Hmm. Um, whereas with a cannonball, you've got a piece of a brass wire coming out of the top of it and you've got very little contact between the monofilament, the dropper and the sinker. So to me, I get a better feel out of a, a, a bank sinker than I do a cannonball. That that would make sense. Whatever works for you, that'll that'll work too. I I've never been bumping. That's on my bucket list definitely. But I can understand that now. You, so you're using like a dropper weight lighter mono on that one. You're using a heavier mono on on the line. And how long's the leader? How long of a leader are you running on that? Uh, anywhere from three to five feet on the leader. Um, you want to, you want the later to be longer than the than the dropper sinker because you want the bait to come in contact with the fish before the sinker. Um, your sinker is just to keep you in contact with the bottom so that you make sure that the the bait is in the strike zone. Uh, Jeremy, what I mean by bank sinker is just your old standard octagonal shaped lead sinker. The flat bank sinkers, right? I believe they're called. What they call flat bank sinker? I no, believe. it's not a flat bank sinker. Flat bank sinkers are actually flat on one side, and bank sinker is just a. I guess it's a stop shot. 
a kind of a octagon shaped bank sinker. Hmm. They're not the ones that look like kind of a teardrop with a point at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, that's a flat bank. Those are called flat banks. Oh, they call flat bank. I was thinking a flat bank was like a a, a bank sinker that's flat on two sides. Yep. I no, I think those are. Uh, oh my goodness, I can't. My sinker ter- terminology has left me. That's a no roll. I think you're thinking of. Oh, okay. Yeah, I use flat bankers quite a bit, and I use coins, so at least I'll have that stuff there. Um, all right, so um, and you're fishing off the back of a boat, so pretty much the bait is leading the way, which is why you cut yep. that speed in half, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, you're actually using the speed of the current to pull the bait out and away from the boat. Um, you know, your, your bait actually works like a parachute so that the water is grabbing it and it's pulling, it's pulling the whole rig out, and the bait is actually – and that's one thing you'll learn when you're bumping – is that when you change bait sizes, it actually affects how the current grabs or doesn't grab your bait and pulls it out. So as you're bumping and you kind of establish a speed, if you go and you switch out baits to a bigger bait, you're getting more drag and it'll pull your bait out further behind the boat. So if you you know if you're if you're wanting to get further away from the boat, try bigger baits. So not not only is the boat drifting downstream at half the rate of um, speed of the current. Thank you, Brian B. with the four ninety nine super chat. Just because I'm driving, I can't chat. Thank you. He says he can't chat corn. He says. <laughs> so you're letting line out too. So basically, you're keeping up. Are you trying to keep up with current? Is that the whole idea behind that? Yeah, you're you're trying to reach a point. You're tr- you're letting line out, and you're trying to reach a point where everything kind of kind of neutralizes. And you don't have to let line out anymore so that you're just moving the bait, the bait up and down and your sinker. As soon as your sinker hits, you're picking it back up. You let it, you let, you drop your rod tip until that sink, you feel that sinker hit and then you pull it right back up. And if you fail to do that, one of two things are going to happen. You're going to snag that sinker up and get hung. Or, you know, you're not, if you're not feeling the sinker, then you're not keeping your bait in the strike zone. So the sinker, actually works as an indicator of where your bait's at in the water column. But every time you feel it, you pick it up, you pick it up, you pick it up. And the, the, and you're using, are you using braid for your main line? Yeah, absolutely. Braid is essential. Um, I use 65 pound braid. Um, some guys run 80, but the braid is more sensitive than mono. So you, you can feel that sinker. If you can't feel that sinker, you can't, you can't bounce. You can't, bump effectively so you need that contact um with the bottom and that that braid is more sensitive that makes sense to me yeah it, it communicates the bottom especially like in walleye fishing that's yeah. when I, a braid really pays off not so much in cat fishing or crappie fishing but in walleye fishing when you need to f- have contact with the bottom and i could definitely see how that would work in your favor when you're bumping Yeah. Sounds pretty complicated. How long did it take you to figure it out? Because you've been doing pretty good on your live streams. I've been, like I said, I, it took me about a year to figure <laughs> to figure it out to get it work all the kinks out of it. And I, I I'm not by no means an expert on it, but I, it's something that I enjoy, and I'm all the time, you know, fishing in different current and at different levels and learning new things. Yes, it can be done anchored in current, and that I think Stan, that's what they call. When you're doing that, when you're anchored up and doing it in current, they call it walking baits 
or back bouncing baits. Uh, it, it's more, and, and you just sit there and you just let line out and bump, bump, and then you'll lose bottom. You let a little line out, walk it back, and then let a little line out. And you'll get two or three bumps, and then actually, I've actually done that while I'm anchor fishing. I'll throw throw baits out on a good spot. I'll throw two anchor rods out on either side, and then bump right down the middle. So that while you're sitting there waiting on a bite, you can actually bump that bait down until you kind of run out of water and then, you know, pick it up and reel it back in and do it again. So while you're sitting there basically static fishing, you can be seeing if there's any fish in front of your baits or any fish behind your baits if you're anchor fishing. So it works very well when you're anchored too, if you got current. You know, bumping baits is what a lot of guys do um, when they're catfishing, even when they're anchored up and just fishing the bottom. They like to get that sprint set out, and it's a lot easier than, than casting. That's if you're sure you actually got bait on your hook. You want to make sure that you're not fishing on credit when you're moving baits without recasting them. That's yeah. right. So what about uh, – you had mentioned that uh, the size of the bait will affect um, the speed at which your, your line's coming out. Will – what about when the bait starts spinning? Do you find that that makes a difference as far as keeping bites from happening or attracting bites or no? I don't, I don't know that if it, it, it affects it. We use a lot of swivels. Actually, I'll use a, uh, in the middle of my leader between my demon dragon and my three way, I'll use a, um, what's called a, a barrel swivel or a, um, a chain swivel. Chain swivel. You do, you do get so much rotation <coughs> of the bait and that kind of current. I have noticed that if you hook baits a certain way, like I've got to where, and Roger, Roger told me this, uh, and this makes a lot of sense. When You know, when you cut a big chunk of skipjack, if you leave that cavity intact, you'll get a lot more weird spinning of it. So I've got to where, I'll cut that cavity out of there and just use the top, the loin, the chunk off of it. I'll cut the belly the part strap, off. right? Pretty much. You cut yeah. the, you, you cut the rib cage and everything down out. Yeah. Just try, just lop it off. And sometimes too, like when I've got a wedge just towards the back of the skipjack where, where it's more of a wedge shaped bait, I have tried like hooking it through the bottom. And the weird thing about that is when you're bumping, you can feel it vibrating because I guess it acts like an airplane wing. It's getting it's getting lift underwater. So <laughs> it's a real funky feeling when you're bumping with a wedge piece of a bait like that. So I, I kind of stopped hooking them like that because I feel it's probably just, you know, act, creating lift in the water and, and maybe even pulling that bait out of the strike zone. I, I can't prove it, but I feel like that's what's happening. You know, a lot of people say that using tailpieces is not the way to go. Maybe that's why I, I'm i I'm having better luck than most people using tailpieces. Maybe that's exactly it. Maybe it is that wing effect and that vibration in the current, the little bit of current that we have that makes a difference. Or if I'm dragging baits at a real slow speed, I do really well with those tailpieces. So that could very well be why. Well, that's Roger's favorite cut of bait is the, the tailpiece. It's, it's a saying. I can't remember what it was. It was a uh, quick, it's quickly becoming one of mine, uh, most definitely. So also cutting out the gut pockets is something that I've started doing because I've missed so many hits. Once that gut pocket gets washed out, especially dragon baits that it, it yeah. just wasn't worth it. I found a better hookup ratio with the smaller piece of bait with the gut pocket missing than, than not. So, yeah. 
I'm definitely sticking with that. That's my tip of the day. Get rid of that gut pocket. So yeah, I'm 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 becoming like convert and cut my gut pocket off more. At, fir at first, I thought all those extra bloody organs in there might attract fish, but it's probably attracting fish I don't really want to catch. You know, I, I have been bumping out there, and and you pull a bait up, and after just one bump, it looked like it's been just gnawed on. There's nothing but there's rib bones hanging out, and the backbone. I think channels are just down there chewing on it. Even even some bigger minnows will do that, and crayfish will crack that bait open. I feel, and once they 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 split that thing open, the little bait fish take 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 over. Look like little piranhas on those chunks of bait. So yeah, I'm a firm believer that that's happened. I've actually seen it happen when I've thrown bait out bank fishing. You see all the minnows come, and they'd pick it apart by the time I was going home. So yeah, take down catfish. Kenneth is mentioning, he says, y'all check out Bobcat for stickers. They're awesome. He has quality merchandise. Um, also, please hit the thumbs up. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks, Kenneth. I appreciate it. Yeah, so you tell us a little bit about your business because you're, you're getting uh, uh, involved in the catfish community here, and you, you provide a service that I think a lot of people really love. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of decals for a lot of YouTubers. And, and in the wintertime, when I slow down with uh, printing, I've been doing, you know, some design work. Matter of fact, Kenneth Takedown Catfish, and I did his logo. Yeah, and that, that flag behind Mark. I, Check I did that, that out, folks. Um, I bet you nobody noticed that. <laughs> they did now. But, uh, but yeah, I've, I've done a lot of uh, decals and stuff, and, this summer, I've got my youngest daughter, uh, Anglin Anna, working for me, and that's her. I've taught her how to make decals, so I'll get her going on the decals, and and she does a great job of that. So you you obviously do more than just decals. You do anything that anybody needs, right? Yeah, I do a lot. I mean, my my primary business is textile screen printing. Um, you know, printing on t-shirts and whatnot. But uh, I've <clears throat> I've got into more digital stuff here in the last couple of years, and and doing uh, decals and stuff, and a lot of things I don't do. I don't do in house. I subcontract out, like embroidery and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Very cool. Well, I know all of your stuff. I've gotten I've gotten a lot of your stickers, Bob, from other creators, and they're always right on the money. You do really good work. So, how can the people get in touch with you if they want to uh, uh, get some stuff made, or or if they're interested in your services? Just contact me on uh, either on Facebook or through email at bobcatoutdoors365 at gmail.com. If you go cool. to my about page on uh, YouTube, it's right there. Bob's links are the description. If you're not subscribed yet, go over there, check out his his videos. Uh, check out not just the bumping videos. Check out some of his crappie stuff, good stuff. We got a lot of crappie fishermen that love to catfish and vice versa. And uh, me and Bob happen to be uh, – uh, have the same feelings on both of it. I think they go hand in hand. Wouldn't you agree, Bob? Oh, absolutely. I love them both, and I I wish I could do them both uh, all the time. Matter of fact, in the spring, a lot of times I'll go crappie fishing in the morning, and I'll carry uh, catfish rods with me and go dragging in the afternoon. So uh, a little combo. I call them my combo trips. Combo trip, little of this, little of that. Pack a big lunch, and you're good to go. A lot of time when you're when you're searching for brush piles out in open water, you find uh, good catfish spots too. That way, you find trees down and stuff. And I'll drop a waypoint on them, and I might go fishing for crappie in the morning, and then come back and drag some skipjack through them in the afternoon. Um, 
I, I'm the same way. When I'm dragging baits and, and, and I come across brush piles and stuff, I'm definitely putting a, a waypoint on there and, and coming back and investigating later. So that's that's a that's a big part of fishing for me. I like the exploring and the discovery and all of that stuff. So treat it like an adventure and you'll have a good time. Yep. All right, well, Bob, thank you for being a guest on the show. I had a, a good time talking to you. I know we still we talk online quite a bit, so uh, yeah, hopefully we can more. make sure you check out the links in the description. If you're listening on a podcast, check out Bob's channel. Um, if you need something printed up, give Bob a call. He'll, he'll shoot you a price. He does quality work, uh, really good quality work, so uh, check him out. I want to say thank you to everybody in chat. I also do want to thank out the channel supporters, Multibar, Rod Racks, the best in the business business port barrington marina uncle Luz. thanks to everybody else also that's helped in the past you know who you are i talked to a few of you before um thank you very much have a good night uh get out there fish bye nice guys